the Woodside Church Podcast. Well, good morning to you. My name is Martin, Martin Tibbet. Uh, it is a joy for me to be preaching this morning, continuing our series that's been looking at this season of hope, this season of hope. And in fact, what I'm going to be talking about today is the hope of glory, the hope of glory. And this message is to do with the greatest reason for hope that there is. Christ in us by his Holy Spirit, which is a guarantee of a glorious eternal life. That's what we're looking at. Now, we're looking at uh, a part of the Bible uh, in a letter written uh, that we, we know as Colossians and uh, Colossians 1 verse 27. Uh, it's Paul, one of the early leaders of the New Testament church, is writing to Christians. And so he's describing to Christians what the Christian gospel is all about. And he says these words. He says this, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles, Gentiles means the nations, the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. This mystery that Paul is describing has now been revealed to all the nations. There's Israel, but now this gospel, this good news has been revealed to every nation in the world. And this mystery is that Christ lives in the believer. And when Christ lives in the believer, then the outworking of that is that he gives that believer a hope of something remarkable a hope of a glorious, eternal future with Jesus. And so when we become a Christian, Christ goes in to the believer. That's how Paul describes it. It's a mystery. It's hard to get our heads around. How can that be that Christ lives in the believer? But that's this amazing mystery. I don't know about you, there's other things that, that are a mystery to me. I mean, I'm, I find it a complete mystery on how gravity works. How can a planet have a mass that is so, so large or to the extent that it even creates a gravity? Or then you've got the moon, which because of its size affects our, our tides and, our, and our, our tidal patterns. And I think, well, I, I can see the effect. I can see what it, what it does and, and I believe it to be true. But if I'm honest, it's a bit of a mystery to me. I mean, bring it a little bit more down to earth. Let's think about electricity. Electricity, how does that work? Now, I know there are people watching this who actually do understand how electricity works and that's great. I'm glad I know you and I'm glad that there are people around that, that know these things. But, but for me, it's a complete mystery. But I know when I turn the light on, suddenly I see electricity power at work, that electricity in whatever's been turned on. 
So we have this mystery that Paul says is Christ in us. It's important that Christians understand this truth. There are other prepositions that we also know are true. Things like Christ is for me. Christ is with me. Christ is ahead of me. But this truth that Christ is in me is very, very important to grasp and understand the impact of that for a believer. You see, no other religion or philosophy makes such a claim than if you've noticed. So no other movement implies the living presence of the founder comes in to his followers. So Muhammad doesn't dwell in his followers. Buddhists, sorry, Buddha doesn't inhabit Buddhists. Influence, instruct, yes, but occupy, come in, no. It's only the gospel of Jesus Christ that says that the real mystery is that Jesus, by his spirit, comes and lives in us. It's an amazing miracle. It's a mystery, but it's at the heart of our gospel. I'd like to explain this, I guess, in two different ways. One is telling a true story of how someone uh, discovered what it meant to have Christ in them and to have the hope of glory. But also I want to maybe use an illustration to try and explain how this works and how important it is. Let me first tell you this story. I've changed the names involved, but it's a story that comes from when Dawn and I and our daughters were, were, were with us, uh, you know, living at home then. We were living in St. Nitz, and I was a pastor of a church in St. Nitz, just down the road called Open Door Church. And there was someone who was a friend of ours, actually, uh, who was at the church, and their father became seriously ill. In fact, I knew their father. Let's say their father's name is John. In fact, John uh, had cancer. And uh, uh, I'd known John. I'd seen him socially a number of times. But John approached me uh, with his daughter and said, look, can I meet with you? I don't believe in, I don't have a faith, but I would like to understand what Christianity is about. So I'm thinking, okay, let's do this. So uh, myself and the daughter met John numbers of times. I can't remember exactly how many times. And uh, he was quite well at that stage, uh, although he was terminally ill with cancer. So he was clearly asking big questions about life and, of course, about death. We discussed, I did my best, my best effort as, as much as I could uh, to communicate the gospel to him. Uh, and it seemed to have no, no real impact on John. And then I remember that he went on a holiday with his wife. And, and then when John returned, I got a phone call from the daughter. And something had happened to John while he was on holiday. But it was good news. Because actually John, I discovered, had had an encounter, a revelation. We discovered on who God was and so 
He wanted to come that coming Sunday. He said, look, come, I can come to church and I must talk to you at the end of the service. So, of course, I said, yes, come. And so as John approached, and he was still quite well at that time, John looked so different. He literally looked different in his face. His whole stance, his whole, his eyes looked different. You just knew something had happened to him. And so I remember we went into a side room and we chatted and, and John didn't grow up in the church. So he didn't, he didn't know all the, the phrases that, that maybe some would be familiar with. And his first words to me were these. They said, Martin, I've been visited. I've been visited. And he described how while he was on holiday, that he felt God came and met with him. And what he discovered is that God had actually come and was living inside him. And so we talked and, and, and we went back over some of the things that we discussed and it was clear that he'd been wonderfully born again. And so we prayed and he repented and, 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 and we just really uh, sort of underlined things that clearly had already happened to him. Christ was in him. The hope of glory was beginning to be revealed. And so suddenly, not only was this, this person completely transformed in, in, in their outlook and, 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 and their, their love of God and this new revelation, suddenly his thoughts about death and thoughts about his future had completely turned around. So Christ was in him. But in that, there'd been a revelation of a hope to come, a future hope, a future of eternity with this God that had visited him and had stayed with him. It was beautiful, absolutely beautiful. One of those moments I will remember for the rest of my days. That's one way to describe what, what Paul's talking about. Christ in the believer and the hope of an eternity with God as a result. But let me tell you another way to look at this. I mentioned about electricity, didn't I? Well, let me try and use electricity. And, and actually this lamp next to me, which has been strategically positioned in order to try and illustrate this. Let's think of this light bulb. This light bulb at the moment has no electricity flowing in it. It's fine, but it's not, it's not uh, if you like, working uh, in the way that it was designed to work, it's fine, but actually there's so much more if only electricity would flow through and into the light bulb. You see, when we do that, when we turn the switch on, suddenly power, suddenly light, suddenly all that that light bulb is destined to be comes to life. And we see the results of that. That's not a bad imagery for what happens when we make a switch in our lives. You see, it's interesting that I actually have to turn the switch from one side to the other. And that's similar to what happens to someone when they place their trust in Jesus. The Bible talks about repenting and believing. And there's a repentance is turning, almost like turning a switch in our hearts. It says, right, I'm, I'm going to stop going this way and I'm gonna go that way. And as we do that, in the same way that as electricity has flowed into that light bulb, that Christ flows into us by his Holy Spirit and lives in 
us. So maybe that helps us as, as well. So there's the story of John, which is a beautiful story. And of course, there's many of us that could testify similar stories. But maybe this illustration helps you to understand that actually there's the offer of Christ living in you and in me. And there's a turning that needs to happen in order for that life to flow, that light to flow and for Christ to live in us. In fact, this is a, a, a good illustration for the next one, the hope of glory. See, we know that that's quite a bright light because it's nothing compared to the real dominant light in our lives, which is the sun. You see, when the spirit lives in us, it's a deposit. It's a guarantee of something so much more glorious. Like this light it is only a small representation, as impressive as it is. And as effective as it is, and as transformational as it is from when it was dark, we still have darknesses become light, but we know that that is nothing. It's like a foretaste. It's nothing compared to the brightness and the dominance and the glory of the sun. You see, that's what it's like for the believer. They have this deposit of Jesus living in us by his spirit. But that's just a deposit. It's wonderful. We know forgiveness. We know relationship with God. We know something that is remarkable. Our lives have been turned around. We have new purpose. We have a faithful God who's with us always. And we have Christ living in us. Those things are amazing. But it's just a deposit. It's a guarantee of something so much greater, so much more Glorious, like the light bulb to the sun. Our lives in this life are just a deposit for something so much glorious. We have a guaranteed eternity, a promise from God. Christ in us is a hope of so much more. It's the hope of a glorious, eternal life with Jesus in heaven. Hallelujah. It's amazing, isn't it? So we have so much to be thankful today. We have hope today, but actually we have hope of a glory to come that outweighs what we know today. As I was preparing this, I really felt that God wanted to speak to people that are struggling with a fear about death. And I just wanna, I guess, reassure you that it's okay to, to be asking those questions. It's okay to be grappling with some of those doubts. But most of all, what I want to show you is that the believer doesn't need to fear death. In fact, we find rich truth in God's word about there's no fear. In fact, the love of God casts out all fear, we're told. Let me read to you from 1 John, these words. It's so helpful, I think. It says this in 1 John, verse 16. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. Do you see Jesus in them? This is how love is made complete among us, so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, 
we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with the punishment. The one who fears is, is not made perfect in love. You see, we need not fear. And I really feel that God wanted to speak to people today that were, were fearing death, were fearing what that might be. I want to reassure you that if you know Jesus and you flick that switch, as it were, you've turned from one thing to another, then you need to know that Christ is in you. And therefore, there's a hope of a future glory. That is certain. That is sure. That will never be taken away from you. It's a wonderful truth. So we need not fear because there is no fear in love. And God is love. And that God who is love is living in you and living in me. We have a hope. This is actually, I believe, this is our greatest reason for hope. Our greatest reason for hope. That Christ is in us. And we therefore have a hope in glory. And a hope of glory. Amen. Let me pray for us as we finish. Father, we thank you so much that we can be assured that Christ is living in the believer. Lord, we thank you that you come alongside. We thank you that you're always with us. But more than that, Lord Jesus, you are in us. And so, Lord, we celebrate that today. But Lord, what that does is as you live in us by your spirit, we realise that we have a promise. We have a hope of a greater future to come. That death is no longer our enemy. Death has lost its sting because you have been victorious over death. Therefore, as you are living in us, we are also victorious over death. Lord, I thank you that we have a remarkable hope that is eternal. We thank you, though, that we know you today. We thank you that we have a foretaste by your spirit. And we love that, Lord. We love this new life that you breathed into us. But Lord, we know it's nothing compared to what is to come. And so we look forward to when there's a day that we are eternally and gloriously with you. We bless you and we offer our thanks to you for this remarkable mystery that's been revealed to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you all. Thank you so much. It's great to be with you. Hope to be with you real, real soon. Bye for now. You have been listening to a Woodside Church podcast. For more information, visit woodsidechurch.com.